cast iron. Oh, uh, gentlemen, let me. We're going to get started here. What's that noise I hear, Miss Hillman? What's that noise I'm hearing? Oh, oh it's Miss My phone. <laughs> okay, so we're just going to take a moment to remind everyone to please turn off your cell phones if you would. And. Uh, <laughs> And at this time, I'd like to ask Ms. Hillman to uh, do roll call for us. Jody Wilkinson? Here. Lance Smith? Here. Mayor Whitfield? Here. Charles Proctor? Here. Lance Smith? Here again. Ken, did I call you twice? Yes, I sure did. Well, well. Um, Kenneth Burgess? Here. Charles Proctor? Here. Alan Knight? Here. Matthew Maggart? Matthew's online. Matt's online. Okay. And William Poe? Here. We'll, uh, we've officially called the meeting to order at 6 of uh, 5.59 p.m. Uh, today is Monday, uh, May 23rd, and at this time, I would like to ask uh, Pastor Nick DeFord to come up and uh, lead us in our invocation. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Let's bow our heads and pray. <clears throat> our Father in heaven, we just thank you today that we can be here. And Lord, we have a lot of things to discuss as I look over the agenda that concern a lot of people. But Lord, first, let's take a moment to pray for those whose um, home was up in flames earlier today. I don't know that situation, but I was driving past and saw that. And so, Lord, we lift that family up to you and, and the un upcoming days that uh, the community would surround them and find provision for the needs that they have and that you would give us the ability to help them in their time of need. Lord, we just pray that you would be with them in this moment. We pray for this meeting that you would give us uh, grace and wisdom and foresight and knowledge as we look to the future and, and the planning of this um, community, that it would be a place that is uh, beneficial for all who live here, a place that, that we can all be proud to call our home. We pray that you would be with each council member and each person that comes and presents today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. All may be seated. The first item up on our agenda is the unfinished business and public hearing of the first reading of resolution number 79122. Uh, can we hear Mr. Maggard? Is he here? Is he just for? Uh, is he just here for? Uh, he is too late. Yes, I'm here. Ah. Thank you. So. Um, Thank you for allowing me to appear um, remotely. Um, uh, it's definitely needed in this case, so thank you. Hi. Um, Ms. Audrey, would you like to present today? Yes. Um, Audrey McGuire, Historic Preservation Specialist, Community Planner for the City. Um, so this has been before you before. Um, this property is located at the northwest corner of Pretty Pond and Wire Roads. It's approximately 12 acres. Um, their current zoning district is R4, multifamily residential, and that was established in 2015 um, by Ordinance 1252-15 at the time of annexation. 
the applicants are requesting to exceed the height limitations of the existing um, R4 zoning district, which is currently two stories. Um, the LDC, our land development code, does allow for consideration um, of heights in excess of the zoning district as a conditional use, um, as long as the conditions of resolution 147 are met, which again are those pertaining to the fire department primarily. Um, that setbacks are increased one foot for every additional two feet of building height above 30 feet. Um, they are meeting that um, on the proposed concept plan for, for this project at this time. And that the airport zoning regulations are met. Um, they're not located within a hazard zone uh, for the airport. We did double check those maps. Um, and they will have to um, send notice to the FAA prior to reviewing. So when we also look at a conditional use, we look at specific standards that are outlined in the land development code. Yes, it does. Um, and those include the fact that the conditional use will not adversely attribute or contribute to the deterioration of quality of life or property values in the immediate neighborhood. Um, staff do not find that this would affect that. Um, that the conditional use is consistent with the character and existing land use patterns in the surrounding area. Okay, thank you. Um, this property, the the surrounding area does include some single family residential. Um, it does include the Zephyr Commons apartments, um, which are close to this property. It does include the American House, um, which is three stories situated on top of a hill, as well as the Grand Reserve Apartments, which are south of this property in Wire Road. Again, three stories at a significantly higher elevation. Um, another standard is that the conditional use will not increase um, or excessively increase traffic or parking congestion or otherwise affect public safety. Um, so the applicants have agreed to the installation of turn lanes at the entrances to the development on both Pretty Pond and Wire, as well as contribution to the intersection improvements of Wire and Pretty Pond Road. Um, both of those have been agreed to and are conditions um, within the resolution themselves. Excuse me just a moment, Ms. Audrey. Um, I, I'd, I'd like at this time, before we get, before we open the public hearing and have any discussion, I need to be sure that the city attorney reads the resolution uh, over the phone. Now, is that, uh, Mr. Mr. Poe, does that need to happen immediately or can Audrey finish her presentation? Uh, she can finish the presenta presentation. Okay, in addition, um, Mr. Hobby has asked for a few extra minutes to make uh, the presentation on behalf of the ownership group, of the applicants group, and so um, we'll do that after we open the public hearing, right? Okay, perfect. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so the site does have suitable drainage. Um, it will be designed to, uh, in accordance with our requirements in terms of the access, ingress, egress, and off-street parking requirements. Um, screening and buffering will be enhanced, um, and those that condition is outlined in the resolution as well and what that looks like um, for all of the perimeter buffers. Um, the site will meet, uh, as it stands today, does meet the minimum requirements for development of the R4 zoning district. Signage and lighting should not affect surrounding areas, and it is not considered um, to be a negative impact to public health, safety, or welfare um, in the general area. 
Now these are conceptual only. Um, these are not the exact product or the exact design um, that will be built out there. It is just to give a reference and idea of what four stories will look like from the surrounding property um, views based off of the concept. So the applicants again have agreed to conditions pertaining to additional landscape buffering, enhanced architectural features, um, turn lanes at the project entrances and contribution to the improvement um, of the intersection of Pretty Pond and Wire. Staff has recommended approval of this. Um, and again, Clark Hobby is here um, and would like to, to speak on behalf of the applicants. Madam President, if I may, I, I would like to read the resolution into the record before any comment from non-staff. Thank you. Go ahead, Mr. Maggard. Thank you. This is the first reading of resolution number 791-22, a resolution by the City Council of the City of Zephyr Hills related to height, approving a conditional use to exceed the height limitations of the R4 multifamily residential zoning district on parcel number 35-25-21-0010-044-00-0000, finding conformity with the comprehensive plan and land development code and providing for an effective date. As you know, the resolutions, this is the first reading, but we only require one. Thank you. So at this time, I'm going to open the public hearing. And I would like at this time to invite Mr. Hobby up and to begin his presentation on behalf of the applicant. Okay. You think I need to use it? Madam Chairman, Council Members, Clark Hobby, Hobby and Hobby PA, 109 North Brush Street. If I might, I was going to start off, and I've got a few matters that I'd like to hand to the clerk just to be entered into the record with Council's permission, and they are uh, Section 5.04.00 concerning transportation system level of service from the code, Part 5.01.00 concerning uh, water uh, concurrency, the council uh, meeting minutes from March 28, um, 2022, and resolution number 778-21, which was from 2021. So with your permission, I, I, I would ask the clerk to take these and then also with council's permission to have a, a motion to receive and file those matters. Um. Would you like to make a motion to uh, file the uh, documents, the supplemental documents presented by the applicant's attorney? I'd move approve. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Okay. Thank you very much. Hopefully we're, we're on with the preliminary matters. And I can go back over this matter. I know we had a, at the introduction somewhat of a discussion about it, but I, I'd like to reiterate a few things and walk you all through where we are in the matter and what my client's doing. As you heard, uh, the existing zoning is already in place and this is just an application for a conditional use permit relating to the height. So the density itself is not at issue tonight. It's solely an issue of the height. Um, and as you saw in the staff presentation at the first reading, I mean at the introduction and again tonight, 
we must remember on this particular site the topography of the land and there's a significant difference between this site and the sites both to the east and the south and just as an example when this project is built um, and it's let's assume it's four stories American house will probably still be 50 to 60 feet higher than it will be uh, the elevation change generally to the east to the single-family development that's there is roughly between 40 and 60 feet higher than this site so there's a significant uh, topographical change that occurs there and so one of the things that you all um, you know I realize there's some discussion on on board members in previous hearings about whether we should allow for extra height but the point you need to understand is that every site is different and in this site the extra height is what allows us to create very large setbacks for the benefit of our neighbors and I'll just go over with our conceptual plan what that allows us to do on the front is to have a 94 foot setback instead of 40 feet 116 feet on the east side instead of 20 67 instead of 20 on the west side and 229 feet instead of 25 on the north boundary when we're adjacent to the largest amount of single-family residential so those are very significant things when we think about what's appropriate for an area how are the neighbors going to be affected so on and so forth but since the introduction hearing and the discussion we had there I went back and worked with staff and with my client and we did several major things to make this project better for the city for the project itself and for our neighbors and so I know staff uh, discussed these a little bit but I'd like to go through them in a little greater detail first of all we stepped up the landscape buffers on all four sides we took the caliper of the trees up and in, uh, an inch which if you know much about trees once you get to a three inch caliper tree going to a four is a big deal so we provided for understory and uh, shade trees everywhere we could along all four buffers um, if we can get a little bit of right-of-way help from the city along wire we'll end up with type B buffers with four inch caliper trees ringing the site and on the two big roads we're going to have what you see on that front buffer elevation there where you're going to have uh, 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 what I think is a very attractive split rail fence type look with understory trees and then shade trees so I think from an elevation perspective when you're a pedestrian or a bicyclist you're gonna have a beautiful view from there and keep in mind when you're on the south you're still gonna be looking down into the site but again there'll be a lot of shade that's there and then the next thing was we started thinking about transportation and we have a transportation uh, engineer who'll be speaking in just a bit but just so council is aware based on the maximum number of units we could have on this site it does not generate the number of units that would even require a transportation study it's deemed de minimis under the land development code however because my client wants to do the right thing we are agreeing to pay for one quarter of the roundabout down at pretty pond and wire that's an off-site improvement the city has basically no legal ability to extract that from my client but because we want to be a good neighbor we want to make sure that we're not causing any kind of traffic issues 
we're willing to do that. And that's not fee creditable. That's just flat out out of our pocket paying for one quarter of the roundabout. And so in my mind, that's a big deal. The next thing on traffic that we did is, you know, Todd and staff really want to make sure that the project access points don't create any queuing on Pretty Pond or Wire. And so while our traffic work shows that there is no requirement for either left turn lane into the site, we're going to build left turn lanes. So again, those are just a guess. That's probably about $300,000 or $350,000 worth of transportation improvements that legally the city can't ask for. Um, and I'll have our, again, our transportation consultant come up in just a few and uh, discuss those things. Um, lastly, I guess one thing that we're going to do, and I need to make a change uh, that's in one of the conditions, I believe it's 6D, um, and I'll double check that as, yeah, it's, it's condition number 60. It called for hardy board uh, construction on the siding, and what we want to change that to say is that the bottom uh, level will be stone and then it will be stucco construction above that on the other levels. Um, so we're making an architectural commitment tonight as part of the conditional use permit, which is not something you typically see either. All right, just one other thing before I get into the consultant speaking for just a minute. I just want to remind council what the city attorney told you in the introductory, introductory hearing, which was this. The issues about water and the availability of water are not germane to this proceeding. That is something, number one, it's not part of the conditional use criteria that you have to consider under section 11.10.00, but it's also the concurrency section of the code, which is what I provided to the city clerk, both for potable water and traffic are issues that have to be considered only at the time of site plan approval. So we're not there yet. This is just related to the height. So council should not make a determination in any way based on the availability of water. Now, having said that, um, the two other items that I uh, provided were the approvals of um, the Nick apartments from March and then just to remind council, and I'm sure you didn't forget, but if you did, council also approved a, a conditional use approval just last year for the adjacent PUD. So there's going to be a four-story apartment complex that's, I think, in for permitting right now, built not immediately adjacent, but in the adjacent project. So the tone has already been set for this area, which, as you know, is a very dense and intense area. This is not on the fringe of town. This is our most dense and intense area. With that, I'm going to ask for Libby Rodriguez to come up and give you a little bit of background on what we did on traffic, even though it's not required by the code right now. Hi, Elizabeth Rodriguez, 18156 Sandy Point Drive, Tampa. Um, I'll make this really brief because Clark kind of kind of stole my traffic thunder by already already uh, hitting the high notes. Um, as he said, we did a um, little study to determine what our proportionate share at the roundabout would be. Um, we aren't required to do the full traffic study because we're de minimis in terms of our 
number of daily trips. Um, and even if we were, it wouldn't be done until site plan, but we needed to come up with that proportionate share number. So we did that. Um, in addition, we did, because those are county roads that we're accessing, so we did a um, access management application for Pasco County, and um, the two left turn lanes that we're constructing aren't strictly warranted because we're just not generating that much traffic and there isn't that much background traffic. It's a, it's a function of those two things. Um, but we're going to construct those anyway. So kind of the bottom line on traffic is that um, we're making a proportionate share contribution toward the roundabout that's kind of above and beyond what would normally be required and that we're also building two turn lanes above and beyond what would normally be required. So, um, thank you. And now I'd like to briefly call up our civil engineer, Cody Bogart, to talk about the site plan and the access and a couple other points that are relevant to the conditional use permit criteria. Your name and address for the record, sir. Uh, Cody Bogart from Newkirk Engineering, uh, 1230 North US 1, Ormond Beach, Florida. Um, originally, we designed the site plan with 10-foot buffers all the way around. We recently enlarged three of the buffers, the north, the east, and the south buffers to 15 type B for more plannings, as Clark um, previously has stated. Um, we believe that we've provided a very safe uh, circulation internally through the site, um, as well as adding, adding the turn lanes recently. We have safe external uh, traffic functions. Um, the safety pertaining to the, the users of this eventual site as well as safety vehicles for police visual into the site from outside and um, and fire and, and paramedics. Um, as Clark had mentioned, our setbacks are further back than what the code requires um, as we are requesting four-story buildings. Um, drainage uh, will have positive outfall to the south um, and will we'll maintain um, the lack of adverse impacts to the southern properties by making sure that we are not point discharging, creating erosion and, and future failure or any any problems down the road um, as, as the code requires um, in the city and as well as the Southwest Water Management District. And that's all. Gentlemen, any questions? Yeah, I, I do have a question. Hang on just a second. Um, without the four story, what would the buffer be? I mean, what, what could or could, what could it be? I'm sorry, could if, you repeat if, the first if, part? If the four-story, um, what is it, what are we looking at? It's the uh, conditional it use. Two, yeah, if, if it was two-story, two what would the buffer be? So typically what you would do is we would lower the buildings, spread them out, and almost create a more of a perimeter building with internal parking, um, which would push the buildings as far as close to the property lines as we could per code. Um, it, it may require underground retention, which would require infill of the site, and it would, it would, impact the natural flow of the site going south elevation wise um, it's over 15 feet from pretty pond road down to the south so it would just it would create a jog in elevation it would create buildings pushed out to the perimeter um, giving it more of what i would say is how we design self-storage facilities and you would have you know two-story buildings going around the perimeter of the site you wouldn't have to buffer i mean i'm looking at that retention area there you you, you wouldn't necessarily have that buffer there um, D depending on different stormwater tactics, we could go underground exfiltration, which would lessen our pond to the south. 
um, and, and like I said, increase the fill to the site. Um, and if I may, just to answer your um, question about the buffer width, so the minimum buffer width from, for residential abutting residential would be a type A, which is 10 feet wide, um, one tree for every or every 50 feet on center, and then a continuous row of shrubs. That would be what the minimum would be. That's the residential? Abutting residential, okay. yes. Council members, this is Clark Hubby, and I'll, I'll wrap up, but I did want to take you through the criteria for a conditional use permit. I know Audrey mentioned uh, them briefly, but the first thing we've got to look at is to make sure that we don't adversely affect or contribute to the detriment of uh, the property values in the area. And I think you can see that because of the topography of the site, the change with the neighbors, the huge setbacks that we're creating, the buffers, the turn lanes, and the contribution to the roundabout, it can't be said that we're going to adversely uh, affect our property values or, or the use of the property in the area. And as I stated earlier, council has already approved four-foot, four-foot, four-story apartments on the adjacent PUD as recently as last year. Uh, and, and as I noted, this area is extremely dense and intense basically running from wire up to Gall Boulevard. Uh, the second thing is we can't change the character of the existing land use pattern, but again, immediately south of the site, you've got a combination of very intense and dense commercial, institutional, and retail uses running all the way from wire all the way to Gall Boulevard, and then we all know Zephyr Commons is probably the most intense commercial development, and that when we started Zephyr Commons and Zephyr Lakes, basically everything from Wire up to Gall Boulevard was all intended to be part of the same package. You really have to think about this in one package and how the area is as a whole. Uh, the next uh, criteria is that you can't excessively increase traffic or parking. Uh, as I noted, uh, and our transportation consultant testified, this project has a de minimis, meaning negligible, effect on traffic pursuant to your own code. So it can't be found to have had an tra uh, adverse traffic effect. And then we are also providing the turn lanes and all the on-site parking that are required by the LDC and going above and beyond the LDC requirements. Our civil engineer testified that the site has suitable drainage access, ingress, egress, off-street parking, and loading areas. And we are providing the screening and buffering to prevent any interference with the surrounding uses in the area. We clearly meet the requirements of the zoning district. We're not ex proposing to exceed the density that the district already requires. And by the way, I think this is kind of the elephant in the room. I think there are probably some council members that are concerned about the density that the zoning district allows. But I didn't create that. Council created that. And if council wants to change R4 down the road to a different density, it, it could consider doing that. But that's not part of the criteria tonight. Uh, the last two criteria are about, uh, first one is that you have to use the type of lighting and signage that won't adversely affect neighbors. And the site plan review process and the LD, LDC will specifically address that. And that and the last thing is you can't adversely affect the health, safety, or welfare of your neighbors. And we obviously know since this same use has already been approved in the adjacent PUD and that there are more intense and more dense uses, 
in this same area, I don't think that could be said to be the case. So again, just reminding council, you're here just on the we're here just on the conditional use permit tonight, and you have to look at that criteria, and your decision has to be made on competent, substantial evidence presented at the hearing. That does not mean that layman's testimony by itself is competent, substantial evidence that you can consider, and you can't just make a decision because you made it on another project. It has to be about this project and the evidence presented tonight. And so far, the only evidence that I've seen is in favor of the application. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hart. Um, and I mean, if this conditional use doesn't go through, the property will still be developed. It's not going to keep anything from developing on the property. No, the, right? the only issue is whether it's going to be somewhere between two and four story product on there. And again, I, I think uh, Council Member um, Smith is, is what he's referring to is, and this is the something we've discussed for years at the county, is if you don't allow things like this to occur the way the market wants them to and you just go for a lower density product, you're going to spread the density out like peanut butter. So all the buildings, without the ability to concentrate the units in larger buildings, are going to go closer and closer to the edge of the roads and closer and closer to the neighbors. And I, quite frankly, I don't think that's good planning in an area that's clearly urbanizing. We're not, this is, this area of Zephyr Hills is not suburbanizing, it's urbanizing. That's what we're doing. Or just do you have any questions or comments? Um, well, I'll just, I'll just make some comments, and um, it's kind of some of the same things I said before. And, you know, development is kind of like the lifeblood of a city, thriving city. If you're not growing, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. I get all that. Um, and we need to continue to work with developers like we do. I think we're considered a, a friendly city or easy to work with city with our planning department, our building department, and so on. However, you know, in the last few years, we've been having a steady stream of development, you know, quite a bit of development. Matter of fact, Coach always says we're not growing, we're exploding. Well, in the last two years, we're really exploding. It's more like a supernova right now. So we have to make sure that as that happens, we're mitigating things the best we can. Um, we always know that with development, it, it, there's a lag in infrastructure anyways. That's just the nature of the thing. So. But when you're exploding into a supernova like we are now, the infrastructure is going to lag even more. So really with the development at an accelerated pace like this, it's, it's nothing, it's simply more units, more people. And I get what you're saying, and I didn't really want to bring this up, but obviously um, the developers and their representatives, what you're trying to do is get as many units on a piece of property as you can for the most efficient price. I get that, that's what you should do, no problem. We have ordinances in place already, though, and again, you brought up the, uh, the density units, which I've been saying that we need to look at that again. But one of the ordinances we have is no more than two stories. So regardless of what the density says, we still have an ordinance that says no more than two stories. You could take that project right there right now, it's four stories, six buildings, 40 units per building. Cut it in half to two stories, it's 120. So that's half. So my issue is simply a density thing and you know I, I know you said can't talk about water can't talk about traffic I'm gonna use a courtroom thing here the traffic engineer come kind of came up so I think she opened the door for that 
Um, well, no, I'm, I'm saying you should talk about traffic. All I'm saying is under your code, right. this, I, I, this I know, particular saying, project has a de minimis effect. Simply, simply put, if we have a, um, a doubling in amount of units than what we would have, we're going to have a doubling amount of the traffic, a doubling amount of people turning taps on for water and all that kind of stuff. So it's strictly a density thing with me. We have to look for a way to slow down the development. I'm not talking about moratoriums. I'm not talking about let's stop development. All I'm saying is we've got to find a way to mitigate the things best we can. The infrastructure is going to lag. How do we stop that from being, you know, uh, a real big problem, even more than what it is now? So that, that is really in, in my thing is I have no problem, and just like Councilman Smith said, the property is going to develop. But I'm just asking we just develop it in our current ordinances and um, uh, rules that we have is all, I'm, is all I'm really getting at. So I won't be in support of, of going to the four stories or the conditional use. Uh, again, you guys do a great job of selling your product to us, too. Um, the whole thing with the traffic, that's great what you're proposing to do. I kind of feel like it's, um, I, I don't really think I want to, you know, celebrate it. It's like I'm not going to hold a party for a deadbeat dad who hasn't paid child support 15 years and now he starts paying it because that's what he should be doing. I feel like the developer should be addressing our traffic concerns as they go along. Um, so again, is, you guys are presented a great case and the things you're proposing to do, that's, that's fantastic. I don't even know if the roundabout is actually even a go yet anyways. Another concern I have well, with that if is... I'm, if I might, just, just to help you on, and I realize I'm not going to get your vote, Mr. Burgess. I, I get it. I, but I, I just for your benefit, just to remind you, the other deal that you struck with Metro as part of that thing, they're required to go ahead and proceed right. with the design and permitting of the roundabout. So it's my understanding that that process has started. But I, I don't know how long it will take it involved in all to, that too, to, do, to be done. But... I, I totally sympathize with you, and a lot of my career has been about getting ahead of the growth with the infrastructure, and that's why I'm telling you it's the council literally does not have the authority to impose any off-site contribution towards the roundabout, but I asked my client to do it because I believe that once the design and permitting of the roundabout is done and the council gets other funds or contributes other funds or whatever, okay, and it goes in, you're going to find that the level of service at that intersection is going to improve from where it is now, even right. with this project. Right. I'm in complete support of all that. But again, with, with, uh, we have a project right that we just annexed into the city, just caddy corner from this, so it would be uh, southeast, I guess, of the project. They came in, they're talking about two-story townhouses. You can bet they're waiting to see what happens here and what's going to stop them from coming back and wanting to put and increase density too by going to four stories so they can increase their density. We've got other things in the pipeline. And so I'm not just thinking about this project in particular, but I'm thinking about the growth and the, and the amount. Again, it's going to come down to just a sheer amount of volume of units and people that's going to affect the infrastructure. And, you know, I think, uh, again, you guys do a great job. But we got jobs to do too. We have, you know, we, we always think about, you know, we're sitting up here debating this thing for a few developers. But what about the 17,000 people that already live here? What's their impact on this? How about the 150 employees in our city? What's their impact on this? So for me to do my job, I got to consider all that too. I understood, Mr. Burgess. I understand. Uh, Councilman Knight, do you have, uh, would you like to say anything? Uh, I, I'm just kind of curious here. 
taking off on what Councilman Smith said. Uh, if we don't go with the four, they, then we're going with the two. I, I'm trying to put that in my mind. So right. if, I, if I might, um, if we do two, essentially the, the reaction from the developer would typically be to spread the buildings out and, and then there's less buffer between the neighbors um, and the street and, and some other conditions. And I think that Mr. Mr. Hobby, in, in an earlier meeting, I suggested or requested that the, the developer consider a, a longitudinal section to the site so that you could see the relationship between the American house, the street, and how that drops off with the trees, and then you see this unit's coming up, then you see a big distance, and then you see that first house that's only a story high. That, that, that if we have a two-story house, it's 10 feet. If we have a two-story townhome that's 10 feet from that single-family home, they're looking down into those neighbors' yards. Whereas if we hold them off 100, and, 100 feet. Some of them are, one of them is 229 right, feet. feet. And you, and you have dry, giant trees there, then the people who live in those homes don't feel like there's someone right over their over their head. So I mean, I think really that's the difference between this two-story versus the four-story or three-story. Well, you know. to, to more specifically, I think answer Councilman Knight's question. The conditional use criteria have a special setback requirement if you exceed two stories. We're going way above and beyond that, but we can only afford to do that because we're getting a four-story project, because we can afford to have more landscaping and do the right thing around the edges. If we're just going to do another townhouse project, and the city's approved quite a number of those recently, I would expect that the developer, when he comes along, will just build up as close as he can to the 10-foot setback along wire. And, and along Pretty Pond. And we're trying to do something that's a little more special to that. It's going to raise taxes in the city for, you know, the revenue considerably because there'll be more units and there'll probably be the type of units because they're higher that cost more to build. So it's a better tax base for the city as well. But yes, the, the answer is if you don't give someone the ability to go to four stories on this site, the development's going to get spread out like peanut butter and run to the edges. We also, if we went to the two-story, would we lose all the additional things you're going to give us, turn lanes? And yes, we, we could not afford to build the ter two turn lanes, and we sure couldn't make a $187,500 proportionate share payment towards the roundabout. I think, like I said, I, I, I certainly understand uh, Councilmember Burgess's uh, position on this thing, but you may be surprised when this roundabout has go gone in that we will actually improve the stead for our existing neighbor's condition. That's what I believe is going to happen here. I'm, I pretty much am on the same page as I was on the last, on the last uh, conditional use that we looked at. I had made a decision that we need to get a handle on the traffic in this community. In that particular area especially, that's one of the most dense traffic areas. Try to even go down that road during a certain time and there's just no way. And I just believe it's going to bring so much, and I've had so many calls from people that have lived there for decades 
all around that area that are extremely concerned that they're not going to be able to get out of the they're not going to be able to even leave their yards right now we all have to because we live here we know the back roads we can get around but i think this is going to add more to the traffic and, and believe me i'm not against growth i believe that if a man owns a piece of property he should be able to get the most but in my position as a councilman i need to look at this traffic that we have to deal with and i don't believe this project and i appreciate the fact that you're going to add the roundabout or chip in on the roundabout and put in the entrance ways but again like councilman burgess says i believe that should be part of the deal anyway especially not not the roundabout but as far as getting in and out of your complex that should be automatic because i mean I'm just saying. It's I, just tie I, traffic. I appreciate it, Mr. Proctor. I, I do, and I, and I know where you both are coming from, and I'm not discounting it one bit. But I will say I have to follow the law and the ordinances you have, and I, despite what you're saying, they actually don't have to do those things. I and understand so that. that's why I'm saying we're going, we're probably spending $350,000 on improvements believe that me, the I've code can't, cannot require a developer to do. I've taken that into consideration. I understand. And I, and I appreciate it. I know you're worried about larger issues. And, and, and I'm Mr. not Hobby, discounting it. Excuse me, Mr. Hobby, if I might also, I'd like to include any comments that the mayor may have regarding this matter. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd like for Mr. Hobby to just discuss density a little bit for us. Sure. And um, uh, keeping in mind that I, I agree with with uh, Councilman Burgess uh, with regard to needing to slow this train down. Uh, but I have concern that we have a very uh, uh, well friend of the community developer uh, who has done a lot, and and I hate to, I pretty much hate to pull the, pull it out from under him with the investment that he has made in our community. Uh, but I would like to know a little bit more about the density, how it's how it's going to affect density. Uh, sure. Uh, again, uh, and I just think this bears repeating. The density is something that the council set with this zoning district, and that's not proposed to change. I think what I'm hearing from council, there, there are two things going on here. There, there are members of council that are worried about density and growth in the area in general, and I think that's a legitimate thing to be concerned about. And they're also maybe worried about this particular zoning district, which for years did not allow the density that it allows now, but it was changed by council a few years ago to allow it. And what I understood, and, and thank you for referencing the existing uh, property owner, Mr. Warnaker, my understanding was when the project was coming through and the code was changed, in part it was done to benefit specifically this property to create the density we're talking about tonight. So he was kind of surprised that there was a lot of pushback to begin with. You know, he thought this is what everybody wanted. And again, just last summer, council approved without really any issue the adjacent PUD to have this same conditional use approval. So I think, you know, we're at kind of an inflection point where we can see in front of us right now the growth has really become supercharged in, the, in Pasco County in general. And I can see that, that the council members are concerned about it. And the density is something, you know, uh, the county handles density on multifamily in a slightly different way. And you might approach it 
this way one day going forward where there's a certain level of density that you can't achieve without doing a planned development project. In the city, it's called a PUD. In the county, it's a MPUD. Uh, but that's handled again at the zoning and that decision was already made. But if council so desires going forward, it's it, certainly council can you know tell staff to, to look at the density that's allowed in this district. That's not where this ball was when I walked onto the court. It had already <laughs> been moved down and I'm just standing under there shooting free throws over and over again. So, but I think those are legitimate issues for council to think about and the city to think about. And if the, if it's the city's position that maybe R4's got a little too high a density, you know, somewhere down the road, you know, we ought to look at that. So, um, I'd like to ask uh, Mr. Poe if he has any comments to make. Um, I, I don't, um, you know, I, I think currently it is zoned r4 which does allow 20 units per acre the issue is that the height um, you know our code says uh, two stories but we we have the conditional use process that allows for four um, 20 units per acre it's going to be at that density whether it's two stories three stories or four stories yes the density right. remains the same regardless of the height um, what the you impact of traffic isn't you know, isn't doesn't really matter what the height is. The impact of traffic is going to be essentially the same. Um, and and I, that's already I, been and that was already approved back in 2015 or whatever. Correct. I don't. Again, I'm not an engineer, but if if it's two stories, I don't think you can get 240 units on there. There's less parking. You spread it out farther, um, but I don't think you just cut the the number of units in half. Maybe instead of 240, it goes down to 180 or there's a number it's not just half because by spreading it out and reducing the amount of parking you need you can get more units uh, what that number is I couldn't tell you um, but but 20 is what you're allowed up to 20 which we've already approved um, so the and question it, it, is again it's a Euclidean district so the district says up to 20 it's it's different if you one of the options you know Speaking to the mayor, it, it, one of the options, you know, you may redo the code down the road. And if you did, you know, required a PUD for certain type of uses, then there'd be a, more of a negotiation with staff. But that, I think that's the problem here. It's in a Euclidean district, and the code itself tells us what the max is. The, the density's already been determined by your code. This is solely an issue of the height. And just under that Euclidean code, you could come in with a project that follows that code to a T and you wouldn't have to do the turn lanes. You wouldn't right. have to be the contribution to the roundabout. Right. Um, you could spread the thing out to where it was 25 feet away from the existing residential. You'd put smaller buffers in. Right. And really, it's already permitted that way. You could that, come that, in. That is what we're presently, that is the state of affairs right now. And quite, uh, and honestly, what, uh, Billy Post said was correct that maybe you wouldn't get 240 maybe it's 180 but then you have the impact of the project without any benefit of the transportation improvements that's that are laid out here and the so, buffers etc and this is this is zoning that has been in place since 2015 or whenever right and, and again you know been involved 
on the former Gore Dairy site since we started on that in the early 2000s. And I think with what's happening with American House and what's happened next door and with as big of, of a project as Zephyr Commons has become, I think this is not the site where we need to be worried about height. This is just not the right site. There are other sites that I'd worry about in the city. This is not the site to be worried about them. Look at the map. I hate to use the word, but it's going to be jamming everything you can up to as close of the homes that's already in there. They're also going to come very close to Wire Road. They're going to come extremely close to Pretty Bond. In other words, just like he said, it's going to be spread out. However, the idea of the four-story and what we keep passing over is what they're throwing in for the roundabout, for what they're doing for the roads, the bus area, and so forth. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good deal, and we won't get that with a two-story. That's just not going to happen. And I think that four story would be more aesthetically beautiful than spread out. I can see the people that are that are going that are going to be living in the houses directly to the north. You know, they're going to be very unhappy with all that. Like you said, those two stories actually be down into their backyard, whatever you want to call it. So very, very difficult situation, but to spread everything out over that whole area, that's pretty difficult. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Can I uh, just kind of address that? Coach, they're already looking in each other's windows where they live in the house that they're in now, so that's not that big of an issue, really. Plus, uh, again, I want to uh, say this is not a height issue. It's amount of units issue. And like I said, I don't want to bring this up again, but there's a reason it's four stories. That's going to be the most cost-efficient way to get 240 units on that property. They may not, they say they could build out to full property, and, and if they do, that's fine. But it's not going to be cost-efficient cost efficient for them, so they probably won't. They still have to worry about retention and all those other things. And we're still going to require some sort of buffing, no matter what, along the way, too. Um, as far as that Zephyr Commons project, and that, I knew that one was going to come back. Because when we voted on it a year ago, I brought that up and I said, we're setting a precedent here, and that's exactly what's happened. And so if we do it here again, then all these other projects that are coming in, it's going to be the same thing. And then it becomes an increase in units. So my position is simply we have to manage the growth somehow by holding to our ordinances, like Mr. Hobby says, that he's only bound by our ordinances. By holding to the ordinance that we're bound by, we can slow that a little bit I'm not saying if they decide not to do it and come back three years from now and things are different and they want to put four stories up, it might be the thing. For, but for this time right now, this is the only way we can try to uh, manage this. Councilman Proctor put it perfect uh, last time we talked about this was you got to start somewhere. And that's, that's really what my position is on that. You have to start somewhere. Oh, one other thing. And, and uh, Mayor brought it up, and it's, and it's a great point. This is not 
a specific developer thing with me. I'm just an idiot, and I can you know, I can put these things here, where I can vote on something that I feel is right, no matter who the person is. A few years back, we had a mayor that we had to maybe have a vote on. He was also my boss, so I'm able to do that, and that's what I'm doing here right now. And so I know the developers that we've worked with have done great things for the city, and I hope we continue to do some things with them. So I just want to make sure that was clear too. Ms. Hillman, this is a public uh, hearing, and I'd like to ask if anyone from the public has signed up to speak. Yes, we have one citizen signed up. Kevin Barr. Hello. Kevin Barr, 37545 Sky Ridge Circle, Dade City. Um, I am on the planning commission. We did vote for this project. That was before you guys offered to bring in all the extra things that you have. Um, I'm definitely not against what I'm seeing with the views, with everything else. All right. We're at a very critical time right now. And us at the Planning Commission and you guys, where you're at, I struggle with this. I didn't sleep at all the night we made this decision. I really didn't. Okay. We are, we're in a very, very critical time right now of what we're going to allow. We only have so much land in Zephyr Hills. Okay. What I would ask is whether you say yes or no to this project, all right, we need to think about everybody else that's sitting in the wings right now that have X amount of acres that are going to go, wait, no problem whatsoever. I'm going to go up to four stories because I'm going to go ahead and do this. Okay. We, and Mr. Vandenberg was not there at the last meeting, but we have asked them to bring to you for us to lower the density back down to 14. All right. I think that's the only way that we are going to be able to, in the future, stop what we're doing right now. Okay. It's not about this project. It's not about what they're offering. It's not about anything else. All right. When we move that to 20 per acre, all right, we were hoping that someone would come to Zephyr Hills and build. Okay. We all sat up here just on the opposite side and we sat here and said, oh my God, we need, we need somebody. We need development. We need this. That was seven or eight years ago. Okay, well, we got it. We got it big time. And every one of us gets to hear from everybody in the city, whether they work at the city, whether they live in the city, whether they live outside the city. Okay, I think we've done a very good job with a lot of things. I don't think the project behind this, no matter what, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I allowed and I voted for them to go ahead and make the lot sizes what they have in there. I drive by it every single day on the way home and every time I drive by it, I, I am upset with myself for doing it. Okay. So what I'm saying is we need to look at what we are going to do in the future. Okay. I truly think that we need to look at lowering the density from the 20 per acre back down to 14 per acre or something. And this will alleviate a lot of what everyone is going through right now. Okay, that's my views on it. God bless everybody for doing what they do because no one out here has any earthly idea how hard it is to sit up there. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Barr. So I would also like to say that when we make a decision um, in the past, so for example, we talk about the promises that we've made to the owners of this property, the, the decisions that we made about the density levels, that it's important to me that we 
enforce the rules fairly and uniformly and that we um, that we remember that essentially we're giving our word to those people who are coming into our community and making investments in infrastructure. Yes, it, they're going to make a profit. There's no question about that. Yes, they're providing housing for people um, who can't afford to buy a $350,000 house anymore. So, I'm, so my feeling about the situation is I do not, uh, in fact, I support 100% what Mr. Barr said. I agree um, that we do need to look at some of these things. We do need to look at the reduction of density. Perhaps we go back to 50-foot lots instead of the 40-foot lots. When we, talk about, when we talk about quality of life, that's a very subjective thing. And what I know right now is the people who live in our community, the people who voted me into office, the one who called me and stopped me in Walmart, say our quality of life is influenced by the fact that you have not protected our city from an influx of people that we can that, that the infrastructure can't support. So my feeling about this particular project is we've already been down this road with these folks and, and we have an obligation to close this out and finish it and what in whatever format you that you decide that the council decides. But I also think that we need to talk seriously about these other concerns as it relates to, to tapping the brakes on on future um, development and just because those people come back into the into the into the into the chambers and say hey you know you approved this two-story uh, this two-story development now we want to change it to four-story I think we're sending a message loud and clear that we're not going to do that anymore so I think I think if if we can move forward from from this time I'd like to ask if we can entertain a motion I, I'm here to entertain a motion if anyone has any any uh, any motion to make, uh, let me. Council just, President, I'm ahead. sorry. We need yes. to close the public hearing. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and close the public. All right. Hearing. At this time, I'm going to close the public hearing. There's nothing. If there's no one else here to speak to the matter. I have a question. Is that on or is it on? Come to the mic. Um, come to Miss Miss Westerman, please come. It's your name. Eileen Westerman, five two two Seventeenth Street. I was just wondering if that was a pond or if that's an actual lake that's spring-fed that's there. It's a, reten it's a, a retention, retention pond. Retention. Yes. Okay, it just looked awful big. Okay, so now I'm going to I'm going to close the hearing. Thank you. Um, and Madam President, if I, yes. I could just say to my decision is to think about a development without the traffic improvements that they've shown, without the money that they're providing for the intersection of about 150, 160 units. That's my decision. Or we do the other, uh, do the, let them, allow them to do the four-story, which we're not increasing density. Um, and it provides some apartments, much-needed apartments for the hospital people they have coming in and out. Um, and, you know, if we were going to, if we're any place in Zephyr Hills we would do four-story, this would have to be the area. And the reason is because these people may, instead of getting in their cars, maybe they'll get they'll walk down to Publix and buy their stuff. Maybe they'll walk to the Chick-fil-A. Maybe they're not as intense on our streets. Maybe the kids living in there walk to the high school rather than another two-story apartment two miles out that the bus has to run to, that the kids have to come to and from school. I mean, the, the, I think that uh, 
Mr. Hobby hit it on the head. If we're looking at an urban area, this would have to be it. I mean, so if somebody on the south end of town says, hey, I want to do four-story, I would say, look, there, you're, you're not in the urban area. There, there's no shopping around you. That's not going to fly. So that, that's where I stand on it. And uh, like I said, we have, there's just certain areas in the city that this would allow. Uh, with with uh, uh, Kevin Barr, I appreciate your comments, too, because I think we do need to revisit this. And just, you know, we need to slow down. But if it's a choice to me between an apartment complex of 120 with no, with no road improvements that they don't have to do, with no uh, tr intersection improvements that they don't have to do, with, sh with smaller buffers, which they wouldn't have to do, I, I think it's an easy decision. I mean, I really do, you know. Would you like to make a motion? Yeah, and I'll, I'll make the motion to go ahead and approve this item, this conditional use item. Okay. Do we have a sec second, gentlemen? I'll second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. aye. I mean, nay. Motion carries three to two. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hobby. Next item on the agenda. Anyone would like to leave after that, that's fine. I'm, uh, we'll give you a moment. What are our feelings? Yeah. Okay. Next item um, is our consent agendas. We have uh, items 2.1 through 2.6 at this time. Are there any items on this list that the council members would like to pull for further discussion? Madam President, I would just like to pull number three off, if we could. So we have a motion to to pull 2.3 for further discussion. Do I have a second? Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? None. Motion carries. Uh, so next, I would like to entertain a motion, if there's nothing further, for items 2.1, 2.3, 2.45, 2 and 6. I'll make a motion that we pass all of them but 2.3. Second. I have a, a motion and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? None. Motion carries. Uh, and at this time, we'll discuss uh, item 2.3, the award of bid number 11-22-02 and Simons Road Phase 2 construction agreement. Is there a member from, of staff here to help us with any questions? Mr. LeBlanc, thank you. The floor is yours. Good evening, Shane LeBlanc, Public Works Director. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Smith, the floor is yours. And, and, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was going to, uh, and I just didn't want to gloss over the fact that we, this is the, ex the extension of our Simons Road project that will connect the end of Simons Road now rather than have to go across the dirt road to Fort King. That's correct. Uh, um, and, and, and look, it's, it's unbelievable to me when I see the figures that come out on these things, and I think all of us are kind of floored by it. But it's, it's a little more than just a little stretch of a road. Can you talk to me about the drainage and the, the D-cell, X-cell lanes and things? Yeah, it's a little more involved. Um, I'll start out with the drainage that, you know, that's a drainage-prone issue area from the Pasco County portion at Old Simons Road to our portion. So our portion is basically going to, where we dead-ended it now from phase one, we're going to continue 
It's going to have a left-hand sweeper curve, and it's going to punch out right into the middle of the curve of Fort King Road with a stop intersection. You're going to have a right and a left turn lane off from Fort King that's a condition of our right-of-way use permit to build our portion of the road, but the drainage gets a little complex. In fact, we're trying to do a little value engineering right now because of the box culverts that are um, specified, you know, engineered in the plans. They have a 28-week lead time. So we're trying, we're, our engineer, Craig Cornelison, he's running some models to maybe do elliptical RCP in lieu of the box culverts. So we're trying to get the cost down, a little value engineering, plus take care of that long lead time. And the other thing that I, and some of us know that there's a little segment of uh, Simons Road now that's unpaved that kind of angles off. It's kind of a little, a little bit of a dangerous intersection when you come up there with the cars. But the biggest thing about that intersection is I've seen a river flowing over the top of it. So it would be totally unusable if we don't go ahead and, and with this new uh, road, it's, it's going to alleviate that problem. Yes, that's, we're, we're compensating from everything coming from the north. You're referring to what we call Old Simons Road, right. which is the county's portion, the dirt right. road. That I have a couple residents that live on that road that call me all the time and want updates on this um, plan. One of them you might know. I sure do. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I updated him the other day, told him that we were bringing that to the council tonight to award the bid, and I think he's going to approach... The resident lives on Old Simons Road. He's going to approach the county about maybe making that road closed to local traffic only. Right. But that's outside of our jurisdiction, so there's really nothing that I can do to help but maybe support, a letter of support or something like that from the city. And the other thing that I'd like to say, you, you made me think of it, was Pasco County. This road has needed to be paved, Simons Road has, for 20 years, and it hasn't been. The Pasco County gladly gave it over to the city of Zephyr Hills, and then we ended up paving it. So, honestly, I mean, the only reason I know that is because I was involved in a project that's next to it, and we had offered at that time, this is an eight in the 80s, to, pave, to pay for a third of the cost. The city agreed, the uh, we agreed, but the county didn't. And I don't even want to tell you how much it was then. It was way less, way, way less. Uh, so... What I think we're doing, we talked earlier about the traffic issues. This is part of our, part of us alleviating traffic issues, not only for Zephyr Hills, but for Pasco County, too, because those residents go across that road probably more than the Zephyr Hills residents. Oh, absolutely. And then the dirt portion, we get a lot of fugitive dirt onto the paved portion that we have to take our uh, city street sweeper out and basically sweep up the county's dirt. Right, know? right. So, but but I, I'm glad we're getting this done. I I hate at the cost that we're looking at, but it is a little more than just a little stretch of road. The, well, the drainage is complex. You got guardrail, you got gravity walls, retaining walls. It's the the drainage is what really added to the price. Right. And one benefit we have the contractor BRW contracting. They were the contractor that built Simon's Road Phase One, so they're very familiar with the area. And they really did a good job for us on Simon's Road. Um, and then what, what's the time frame? I mean, I know there could be delays because of materials. but We're talking 240 days probably. Okay. 
but thank you. Shane, I appreciate you uh, looking at that value engineering, and, and you're talking about 28-week lead time on the box culverts. That's that's a half a year. I would like for us to do everything possible to get this thing going as soon as we can because it's much needed. And once they start developing there around the tennis center, it's just going to be that much more. So the sooner we can do it, if it required, you know, if we can go to a different type of culvert and they can get it right away, I mean, I'm all for that. So. Well, if we can do the that. elliptical pipe, which they're running models on it right now, it'd mm -hmm. be about 14 weeks in lieu of 28. So that's a big cutting that in right. half, and hopefully a little cheaper. Yeah, just speaking of, of price, because I did have a conversation with the council member. I don't remember it which me. one it was. It's under. It's actually so, under budget. Yeah, correct. Is it is. It is a very high number that that we are approving, um, but in the budget we did approve 2.3, 320000 dollars. For this project, uh, the base bid is um, just over 1.9 million. So it is within the budget that we approved, and that was based on the engineer's estimate. Um, so it it should be well under budget. Yeah, Madam President, if I may, that's what I was going to say. Bill. If I remember correctly, Mayor's and gave us an estimate long before we went up the bid, and it was the higher number than what came in. So the materials, the cost of labor, everything's so. up. Okay, thank you. Uh, yes, Mr. Kennedy. And I know, uh, I know you, you can't, but the old dirt road that we're talking about, there are actually only two homes there. That's correct. Understand? And I just don't want at any time to see, you know, that cut through, which people will still do. Can you kind of approach, ask, put a little pressure on? In other words, the county needs to come through as bad. Why can't they, like you said, seal that off? And it's only two homes. But if not, I see people still cutting through and basically maybe uh, even a traffic hazard coming that way because as they're, they're going to come out on Simon. So would you make a phone call? Or oh, yes, sir. And I've advised just uh, just want to use that the resident that lives on Simon's Road to maybe contact Commissioner Oakley to maybe get that ball rolling. But we'll definitely do a letter of support. I mean, we're not asking them to do anything except make it, you know, conditional for the people that are there. Yes, sir. I, I think we when we finish our portion, I don't think a lot of people are going to use that uh, bumpy, dusty, dirty road anyhow. But I'm sure between myself and City Manager Poe, we can maybe make a phone call or write a I letter. So. I think so. Just Thank the mud trucks much. will go down there when it rains. Yeah. Do we have a motion? Are there any further questions? I'd move approval of this item. Thank you. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? None. Motion carries. I would like to point out uh, the last item on the, um, on the consent agenda is the approval of Planning Commission board members. And I'd like to thank Dr. Stovall for stepping up to serve on the Planning Commission, Tom Vaniter, and um, someone who's only been a resident for four years, Krista Remington, uh, with a PhD is has volunteered to serve on the Planning Commission so that's pretty exciting so um, next on the agenda is uh, business items and public hearing this is regarding the tariff uh, the Sarah Vandenberg Tennis Center housing developers housing agreement uh, is is there someone from staff to address this item Madam President uh, this city attorney uh, I will first read uh, the heading into the record as it uh, um, needs to be read and also a public hearing. So, uh, and 
and staff can take it over from there if you if I may. Yes, certainly. Go ahead. This is a first reading of SBV Housing LLC's Healthier Study Plan Unit Development PUD. Consists of approximately 10.15 acres, more or less. Parcel numbers 0426210000, and 0426210000, and is generally located on the west side of Simons Road, north of Crestview Landing Way. Estimated population density of the development is 6.8 persons per acre. Proposed uses include a mix, a mix single family and townhomes at 14 units per acre, and a maximum height of two stories at 32,235 square foot dormitory building, including 29 units, with a maximum height of three stories and a plus or minus 22,500 square foot mixed use medical office or residential building with a maximum height of 48 feet and a plus or minus 27,300 square foot indoor multi-purpose recreational tennis facility with a maximum height of 48 feet. Thank you, Madam President. And um, at this time, is there um, a member of staff? So you're going to address this yes, matter. Okay, yep. great. Thank yep. you. So in front of you, you have the developer's agreement uh, that's prepared, that's associated with the SVB housing project along Simon Road uh, that uh, was described in the heading. Uh, the Florida statutes and the city's land development code authorize local governments to enter into a development agreement uh, that's in the city's interest. <clears throat> the purpose of the DA is to ensure that the developer, upon receipt of all development permits, that, and that the SVB housing project may proceed in accordance with the master plan, uh, construction plans, and the subject DA. Uh, the DA sets forth specific obligations of the parties, including but not limited to um, the highlights of this agreement. The city will provide $176,000 in impact fee credits, uh, transportation, park, and uh, utility impacts. The developer will dedicate to the city um, just over 1.6 acres. Uh, 1.083 of those acres are for the indoor facility uh, proposed as phase two of the SVB Tennis Center. Uh, should house roughly a 27,000 square foot indoor um, multi-purpose facility. And then to the part of phase two, not a part of this development agreement, will be for uh, outdoor hard courts on the north side of the center. The developer shall be responsible for the design, engineering, construction of the roadway improvements. The developer and the city will enter into a separate cross-parking agreement. That's something that will be handled at a, at a future date if and when this development agreement is uh, approved. The developer will be responsible for the design and installation of all water and sewer infrastructure. They plan on the system to be private. Um, so typically, you know, through the subdivision, it will be uh, public lines, the mains. It's proposed that that will all be private. Uh, the developer will take ownership and ongoing maintenance of the lift station that is currently out there, lift station 69, uh, that serves the tennis center. Uh, the developer will take on that O&M and will service, allow the tennis center and the indoor facility, proposed indoor facility, and their future development will all flow through that station. 
uh, and the up in the station will be upgraded if needed the city will remove the SCADA uh, will remove all the controls that are on on that lift station that we typically use on our other stations uh, the developer will be responsible for the design engineering and construction of all stormwater improvements uh, servicing their project in the parking areas of the facility the indoor facility the indoor facility the building itself we will the city will collect uh, and retain that stormwater and the city agrees to design the exterior of the indoor facility to be consistent with the SVB tennis center and SVB housing developments there are two public meetings that are required for the subject DA uh, the affected property owners have been noticed and the DA has been uh, appropriately advertised uh, Mr. Todd Lovinger is on the line if there are any questions for the developer. Um, with that, the total impact fee credits of 176000 will be applied to the project over phases one, two, and three. Uh, their project, they plan to build uh, the dormitories. If you've been by there, you see those going up uh, as we speak. Um, I think roughly 69 units, uh, 59 or 69 um, housing units, townhomes, single family, or detached and then some additional commercial um, space out there uh, with that the developers agreement is in compliance with the city's land development code and florida statutes uh, staff and the city attorney have reviewed the developers agreements and recommend or ask that council approve and direct staff to advertise the, this da for a second hearing any Thank questions yeah. one question on the because uh, we're, we're looking at the donation for the indoor on, on this or donation of land to the city so the the one 1.083 acres uh, will switch ownership from the SVB residential to the city's upper hills so that we may construct the 27,000 square foot indoor and the question that I oh, was going to ask is the retention there's an agreement in place that we can utilize the retention they're providing or no no. So what so what will happen is the associated parking with the development, the developer will handle the stormwater for the parking. Right. The building, we will we have our own retention. So is we that think the right of way no, strip we'll use there. So possibly uh, we we the engineers thinks that there's enough capacity in the swale to the north of the building with some modifications, not just the swale as it is. Uh, we believe there's some there's some room in the overall stormwater master plan for SVB, plus some modification of the, the swale to the north of um, of the indoor. Correct. And talking okay, indoor, we're over on the site on our site. Correct. Still. Yes. So okay. if you <clears throat> sorry, if if you look at the the screen here, that red box um, in the top like under the top P. right corner. Um, is where we'd be yep right about where the hand is um, it's about 200 feet uh, long or, or from north to south would be about 200 feet and the width is about it's about 200 there as well I believe um, and then the indoor would be excuse me the outdoor tennis courts would be north on the site on the the existing tennis center site so this is the old Simons property and uh, the city would be acquiring the northeast corner of that property of that red box and then i know we have improvements on the intersection of island and simons there. so island and simons the intersection improvements there uh, are would be a, a signalized intersection and 
those improvements are tied to the development agreement for Abbott Square, which is the, the subdivision surrounding the tennis center. And those, I believe it's already under design and construction is, to, is set to begin, as long as we get all the approvals, when the 100 CO or certificate of occupancy is issued for that housing development. But we can, we're already doing the engineering and we can go ahead and get the permitting. At, yeah, let's get everything right. we can right now so we're yes. ready to go. Um, and then I just want to make sure, again, we have right-hand turn lane there. You know what I'm saying? In other words, we need dedicated right-hand turn lane with some stacking cap capability there. So, yes. Thank you. That's it. You're talking about Long Simons? Yes. Correct. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, so, this is uh, basically the phase. city is still going to be uh, designing and then we'll enter contractually for um, tennis pro whatever to operate just like the first part is that correct that's the intent yes okay sir. I yes. just want to make sure you know because I don't want that is kind of getting all commingled in there yeah it, sorry so so the the phase two of SVB the indoor facility remember the state appropriated uh, 4.665 million dollars uh, to the city for construction of the indoor. Uh, we hope that there's some additional dollars that will be available in this year's budget as long as the, the governor is friendly and does not veto uh, the line item. Uh, so we should be able to get a little bit more funding. Um, the intent from staff is that Tennis Pro Florida uh, that currently operates the tennis facility will operate this facility as well. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it makes sense to have two different operators competing uh, you know, for the same our same building, um, so it, it, the intent is to have Tennis Pro Florida to operate that. So I have a quick question, and that is regarding the um, density. We, you know, we're talking about heights and heights of buildings and things like that, and and particularly, you know, R four and and you know, so so there's townhomes and there's the dormitories, but then this multi multi use building is four stories or 48, 48 feet. Is do we agree that that is appropriate for that area and that and, and the scale of that area? As a staff, we do. Uh, it is a PUD. It's not Euclidean zoning. Um, so the other the project that you heard earlier is R four zoning um, and not PUD. Uh, that is a consideration. Um, the issue is you, you have to have to have um, you know basketball or tennis or volleyball. You have to have a, a clearance which I believe is 29 and a half feet or 30 feet of, of clearance. And then you have to have all your mechanical above that. Then, you know, the pitch has to start. So that's how you get to the 48 feet. Okay. I know it's a long answer to say, yes, staff believes that. Um, and I think it's all it's how it's arranged on the site. So if the taller buildings are kind of towards the center and all the perimeter buildings are, and it's hard to tell from, from the, Plan so that we've been provided and that's not probably cast in stone right so our building will be pretty prominent on the northeast corner of that red square um, I do not believe you will see the dormitory right now you can see the dorm from Simons when we build uh, the indoor you will not see that dorm in my opinion we've not we don't have a, a rendering or, or like a uh, street view but 27,000 square foot building that's I think 
200 feet by one, I don't know how, what, yeah, 120 by 200. I mean, it's a, it's a large size building at 48 feet tall. It will hide everything behind it. But what you have is that building, parking lot, dorm, and then as you move south on that property, there's, I believe, a two-story mixed-use, uh, like townhome on the second floor, uh, commercial, retail on the first floor, maybe some like office-type, um, excuse me, medical-type uses that associate with sports, so physical therapy, uh, things like that. And then as you move south, there'll be townhomes and single-family detached uh, as you move south and to the, to the uh, west on that property. Very quickly, uh, Todd, the, the property that's uh, due south there, uh, what's happening, has there been any feelers about that property, people doing something with it? So that due south, that's part of the Lennar project. So that Lennar project, there's 615 homes um, that, are, that will surround the tennis center. It starts up there pretty much at the bend of Simons, comes all the way down behind the tennis center, uh, and... Oh, it's just part reps. of the Lenar project. Correct. Yes, sir. Okay, yep. that's what I want to know. It'd be nice to see, like, like a, a those pieces, those pieces of the puzzle all in one, you know, so that we could sort of understand spatially what's happening, massing wise, and all that okay. kind of stuff. We can provide that to you. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions, gentlemen? I just like to say I think it's going to be a great project. Uh, adds adds more to the to the center and I think it'll bring more more people into the into the town. Oh, a tremendous economic driver, which is why we're getting the kind of support we're getting from the state, I think. Okay. So at this time, um, Ms. Hillman, is there anyone here to speak from the public? Uh, hearing none, I'm going to close the public hearing. And at this time we uh, would like to uh, consider the motion for the first reading. Approval of business item 3.1 on first reading. Okay. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? None. Motion carries. Next item on the agenda is our finance director's report. Oh, yes, Too Todd, early. was there something else? No. Okay. <laughs> Got up too quick. Okay. Uh, Todd jumped the gun. It's usually planning director's next, but yeah. because we have the audit, we, we try to get uh, those folks out here so they have to sit here all night. Mr. Beeson, if you please uh, introduce yourself for the record. Yes, Ted Beeson, Finance Director, and I'm here tonight to introduce Marcy Rudiman with Bodine Perry, who has completed our 2001 fiscal year audit, and she will present that audit report to you. Welcome, Marcy. Hi, everyone. Oh, hi, everyone. Everybody's been busy tonight. Um, Marcy Rudiman, I think I know most of you, um, got the city audit done and got wanted to kind of go over it with everyone. I know it's kind of a boring subject for everybody after all this excitement we've had so far, but if you'll just give me a few minutes, I'll go over it real quick. Um, the opinion is an unqualified opinion, um, which means your financial statements are, as they are presented, are materially correct. Um, you did have to have a state single audit this year, not a federal single audit, but a state single audit. So that just means we have to go in and test some of the compliance um, requirements to make sure that you guys are complying with your grant requirements, which um, all that went passed through too. Um, 
if you've gotten copies of your audit report, they're pretty large. So let me just kind of go over what the sections are, and then if there's any questions from there, I would like to just say, you know, we'll go over the charts, which I know everybody likes even better than these big reports, and then we can um, go for any detail. So your report. Uh, Audit, your audit binder has in there, first of all, and what I consider the most important is your independent auditor's report, and that report is, kind of, is, is telling you whether you got a good opinion or not, and like I said, you did. Uh, from there, you go to another important part of it, which is your manager's discussion and analysis, and that would usually be prepared by um, Ted does a great job on it, but what that does is it kind of goes over a little more into the numbers and a little bit more of the... Um, city goals that were met in the prior year, you know, using those monies. Um, so it, it is a it's, a, it's a good part that adds to the financial statements. Um, the next, next section, which is your statement of net position and your statement of activities, pages one through three, those are your government-wide statements. Those statements there are more like what any business owner usually would see, your accrual-based statements. You're going to see your long-term debt, um, and your long-term types of assets, like your fixed assets, listed on there. You go a little bit further down, and you're going to see your your fund-type statements, your government fund-type statements. And um, in general, which I think you probably all are used to it at this point, they don't they expense everything that they're expended. Your expenditures are expensed as they're incurred. So you're not going to see fixed assets or long-term debts on those statements, which are pages four through seven. Um, then you see your proprietary funds, which lists out your utility, your sanitation, and your airport, um, and, and how they did for the year. From there, you've got your notes to the financial statements and um, your supplementary information, which um, part of that supplementary information is one another letter that we are required to present, uh, which is your... Um, and uh, auditors report on internal control. So we're supposed to, we are required to look at the internal control and give you an opinion as whether we see any issues. We did not see any issues. Um, the next one is your report on compliance for each of your major federal programs. You don't have any federal, but you do have the states that we gave an opinion on, and you did well on that. Um, and then in the back, there is also the CIFA which um, is on page 62, 63. It does list out your grants that you got this year. Um, the biggest one being the uh, wastewater treatment. Um, good project. So very quickly, I did go through it, but anybody got any questions so far? Please. Did you get your charts? Oh, she got them up there for me. Here we go. There we go. Okay, here's your charts that I think everybody can understand a little bit better. Um, this is your, um, this would be your governmental funds. Um, got mine's upside down, sorry about that. So this is your um, fund basis statements and the revenues that were um, over the last, since 17 through 21. I think it's very interesting to kind of look at those. Uh, the uh, one, the orange there, the intergovernmental, that will include your grants. So you do see that it's quite large in 21 because you did get a, quite a few grants, uh, more grants in the in the 21 year. But overall, you know, it's it's going up, which is good. 
your next one, your expenditures. Um, this again is based on your, your governmental type expenditures. Um, so it will include um, like your capital, uh, get my glasses on here, sorry, capital outlay. And if you look at, well, I didn't get the number in there. The, the different years up, up in the top, there's um, sort of 20. Uh, it was a lot larger. Looks like maybe the Sarah Vandenberg project was put in there on 20 because that, that capital outlay amount, if you see, it's a lot larger. And, and, and then in <coughs> 21, it's a little bit, bless you, a little bit lower. Um, but your expenditures were down. I don't know for sure if I can tell you, for, uh, you know, where's this difference. Some of it probably is the fire department. In, in your contracting over, um, but there's a, a few different, different uh, the capital expenditures and I think the fire department are some of the major um, reasons why it is lower. Your next page is your un, unreserved, undesignated um, fund balance, uh, which, which basically, you know, you've got some fund balance in there that's left over from prior years that's not designated, which is a good thing. It's going up so that you can use it for, you know, your growth that you're, you know, experiencing right now. The other amounts that are in fund balance are reserved. Let's see. Next page would be your proprietary fund revenues. Those ones actually are going, well, actually, the last year they were just a little bit down. And that could have been from one of the grants too. Um, your operating re revenue was like 14 million 610 though in 21 versus 12 million 740 in 20. So your operating revenue in these funds are actually going is going up, and that's probably because of the density going up and the people using all the services. Your can I just ask what what is non when it say you have non-operating revenue? What would that be? Non-operating revenue. I'm let me sorry. get back to it. It would be all of the, the all of the other. Uh, let me see if I can see some specifics for you. Ted, Ted behind you. Has. You've got some specifics. Interest and also impact fees. Oh, okay, okay. That's what that is. Yeah, that would be. I'm trying to see if there was any so impact fees and interest on our investments. Okay. You think that was just it, Ted, just those two? Okay. Uh, page five. So your expenditures for your uh, proprietary funds, those ones seems to be, you know, consistently across the board. Um, inflation with inflation like it is, I'm surprised they weren't higher than what they were. Um, but, uh, as you see, the personnel services, to me, that looks like it had the, the biggest growth and then your depreciation because you've put some new um, assets into play. Then your last chart is your, um, basically, you can kind of look at it maybe as your fund balance, your retained earnings, um, and you can see how both for the governmental and the business types is going up, which is really a good thing. You know, that means you're not in any type of um, emergency situation where you're going to need some help or anything. So uh, overall, the, the city finances look good is the end of the audit report. <laughs> so any more questions?
Okay, I know this sounds simple, but <laughs> for me, as a simple person, some of these things I don't understand. And mm -hmm. for the last eight or nine years, I've asked Judge, are we in good shape? You're in good shape. Thank you. That's all <laughs> I want to hear. <laughs> Gentlemen, anything further? Okay. So do we require action on this? You have to approve it. So I, okay. I would move approval of the uh, audit. Second. So we have a motion and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? None. Motion carries. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you, Marcia. Appreciate it. Ms. Rudman, good to see you. Okay. And I'm going to leave this. Uh, next item on the agenda is our uh, planning uh, director's report. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, a, a consulting contract with uh, Barry Dunn, well, McTeel, and Parker. Yeah. I'm sorry, Todd. <laughs> That's all my fault. <laughs> Before we... Before we go add on to Barry Dunn's contract, I want to say the audit is, is a lot of work, and I'm really good at taking credit for other people's work, and I just overcome with guilt. Uh, Jessica Carter in the back pushed this over the goal line, and she was really did 90% of the work on preparing the records for the auditors, and I'm indebted to her for making that come about. With that, uh, Barry Dunn contract. The staff is recommending that we have some outside help to evaluate our utility billing system, that we take a look at how we're going ahead and servicing our utility customers, if there's things that we can do differently. You're aware that uh, a few years ago, a couple years ago, we had uh, an emergency where we needed to move from Fathom and take things to uh, Muni Billing out of North Carolina. Well, we have subsystems that work with that, and we want some evaluation of how we're progressing at servicing our utility customers. Can we take some things in-house? Can we go ahead and improve on what we're doing? And we want someone to evaluate that that's done more than three or four during their career, which I have, that they've looked at hundreds of these. So that's the reason we're asking for that assistance. Uh, the contract is in your packet, and we would like also that the city manager be given authority to go ahead and approve the task orders that will come out of this contract. The purpose is to just <coughs> give us kind of a baseline and make sure we're doing everything in accordance with uh, best practices, and and it's a it's a one-time expense and not an ongoing expense at this That's time. correct. That's okay. correct. Thank you. And excuse me. Um, Ted, you said that they're going to kind of look and see what things we might be able to bring back in-house. Is that part of it or not necessarily? That is correct, yes, okay. sir. Yeah. Any other questions? And for me, I think that's a great question. I would love to see most of it brought back in-house if possible. <coughs> Seems like we had better results. I regret ever uh, going to Fathom, but we were sold a bag of goods and... Uh, well, I would say, I don't say you regret it, because I think there were some good things that, that were accomplished. Oh, we accomplished. did learn some things. Yeah, there were the, we learned some things, and, and we were able to get to AMR, um, the, the, meter re, the meters that we have. So I, there were some good things. Trust me, it was extremely painful when they told us, hey, we're, we're closing up shop, and you've got to go somewhere. Um, but staff has done a really good job <laughs> yeah, of, of finding the, the new company, uh, the company that we're with now. Um, but as a staff we heard council when that happened when we transitioned from fathom to to water smart or uh, muni billing 
um, that the goal was ultimately to go to bring everything back in house. So this is not a we're not take we're taking the step to um, just evaluate where we are and if it makes sense for us to bring it back in if, if the programs that we have and if we're how we're doing things um, but by no means are we recommending that we're bringing things back in-house tonight it's oh, we're doing the evaluation um, I just want everybody like I know I know you understand that I want the the public to to hear that as well is that it is an evaluation so that we can yeah I was really talking to Dave um, <laughs> so that we, so we can move forward oh and <laughs> yeah, yes sorry both of you um but in all seriousness it is just an evaluation um and there's a lot more uh steps and, and it's a lot further down the road before we make that that big of a decision madam president move approval of this item second the motion and a second all those in favor please say aye aye none opposed motion carries no way now it's time for Mr. Vandenberg. Thank you, sir. Sure. That's fine. So we start with the land development. Okay. Yeah. Good evening, council members. Todd Vandenberg, planning director. Uh, we have uh, the month of May's planning report to present to you tonight. Before I jump into that, uh, thank you, Councilman Wilkinson, for uh, making note of our new planning commission board members. Um, I'm not going to get into it tonight, but we realize we have a, a lot of work to do. We're updating the city's comprehensive plan. I, I think I may have mentioned to you all before we're prioritizing the housing element, and there'll be a lot of work and effort that goes into a lot of that. Um, I won't get into that this evening, but I, I did hear uh, from the, our last planning commission uh, meeting that there was some comments made. I've already talked to the city manager about the idea of getting together staff, the planning commission, city council, and probably holding a workshop to begin some discussions on some of these items that were brought up this evening. So look forward to hearing, uh, getting that set up and having a good group discussion and, and talking about those issues that we are, I promise you, taking seriously. And we'll be working with you to, to resolve those issues. Um, I, I think you know these planning commission uh, members that we're bringing on, Tom Van Anner and, and Randy Stovall. You may not know Krista Remington. Is Krista still here tonight? She may have gone home. I was going to introduce her. She's new but very qualified professor at USF, uh, got her doctorate degree. And I think with these challenging issues we have, we're, we're only going to get better by having these group of three individuals that I, I think are going to very well represent the city in these planning issues we're dealing with. With that, we have uh, a text amendment and two small land use uh, items tonight. We'll start with uh, the first item uh, as a proposed land development code text amendment. It has to do with indoor storage facilities. Um, it's specifically section 7.09.16. It's titled Mini Warehousing and Storage Units. Um, th this current text that's in our land development code is, is very outdated and really refers to the older school mini warehouses that were common that you, you see around town for the past couple of decades. They're usually made out of metal. Uh, they're one story, kind of like the ones off of Wire Road and then going west of town. You see them on State Road 54. So, yeah, the code really was intended for, for those types of structures with the 
height limitation. Um, uh, so what, what we're getting now with the, the current market, you've probably seen these. Uh, it's changing dramatically in, in terms of when you see them with the height, the scale, and the design, even the architectural elements. There have been a lot of changes in those. So uh, we've had a couple inquiries. So we told these folks that we would uh, put together a proposed text amendment for staff, planning commission, you guys to take a look at. So that's what we're doing. So in my, uh, under the background, uh, I've just identified a, a few of the paragraphs from the current uh, section in the Land Development Code. And uh, so just a few changes that we're proposing in that first paragraph C, uh, we're proposing that we include a type B buffer that would go around the perimeter uh, of, the, of the properties developed for an indoor storage facility. And I've also included just uh, some enhancements you'll see in there for whether it's a wall or fence. We just want to keep it general, but make sure it has some type of level of enhancement. Odd, what, what is the width of a type B compared to what was 15 there? versus 10. Okay. Um, and it, stop me if you have any questions. Otherwise, I'll proceed on, under paren E, where we talk about the height of the buildings. Right now, it's 15 uh, feet, one story in the CRA and the form-based code. So we, we thought we, we'd keep that one story, the smaller structures in the form-based code and the CRA. But if you're outside those boundaries or districts, we would allow, based the way we have this proposed, you could apply for a conditional use where you could go taller than the one story or 15 feet. Um, where we're kind of the opinion that uh, outside of the CRA and the form-based code, we're, we're okay with the consideration of a two- or three-story uh, from a height standpoint and scale standpoint. But then we, we, of course, as we look at a conditional use, we'll make sure it's appropriate uh, based on the scale and, and what's going around the surrounding properties, and we can look at those types of issues similar to how we talked about the conditional use and the standards uh, that we discussed earlier tonight. Um, so there's just a few uh, under J. You, you'll see, uh, again, decorative wall. Uh, I, 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 you know, we added to the, the screening um, where we just kind of defined that a little bit better with uh, a decorative solid masonry wall or aluminum with solid pillars at equal intervals. Um, if it's a masonry wall, it should be architecturally finished to match the building. Um, we don't want unfinished concrete block. That would be prohibited. And we just added some language in there, all loading bays. You know, if you have a, a loading bay type scenario with trucks, larger vehicles coming in, that particular area would be screened. Um, a dumb question. Yep. We put in there a minimum height of six feet for the wall? Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, What's the max height? Well, we had it at eight feet, but, you know, the reality of it is, um, first of all, in the CRA, you can't be over over six feet. So we, we talked about that at staff, and we felt like if we uh, enhance the, do a, a nice enhanced decorative wall or fence at six feet, enhance the landscaping, we, we question whether or not it need to be eight foot. Now, that, that's something open to discussion on it, but that was kind of the, 
thought process we had on that. I don't know if Bill's here. I, I guess we did allow him to go up to eight feet. Yeah, I mean that was my sorry, and I, any six foot is the minimum, so they can build. By the way, it's written here. I think you could build eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve foot wall. Ah. So we probably need to put in there either it is six foot wall that you're putting in, or a minimum of six feet, maximum of whatever, whatever height we. I choose. think we were okay by doing six feet. Okay. So we can make that unless council has other direction. And if we review it on a case by case basis and it makes sense in, in some circumstance to have it a little bit taller, we can make that. Okay. I, I mean, I just don't think that we're going to have a big onslaught of these. I think, I think it's not going to be a big, uh, um, you know, strain on staff to, to, to evaluate these on a case by case basis. We can add some language in there where additional height could be considered for the fence as part of the conditional use process. Well, that's what I was just told was that these are condition these are additional standards, right? Well, additional standards to what we already have in our code section seven point oh nine point one six. Which we have a height limitation on fences. So that would be addressed. So, so are we just gonna be looking at changing the whole the whole thing no is just it, the minor really changes that you see in the the background information on the agenda memo here uh, unless underlined portion of this text correct. that's already in the in the in the code so w with that um staff we, we talked about this brought it to the planning commission and you know, we're kind of the opinion that they are becoming very commonplace. You're seeing a lot of these indoor storage facilities. The other factor we looked at is, you know, they're they're making significant enhancements on the architectural elements of these structures. And the other fact is that, you know, they don't generate a lot of traffic. That's a positive thing. And they don't use a lot of water. So, you know, we kind of looked at the big holistic picture as well as the, the ongoing continuing trends of how we're seeing these types of structures built so uh, I, I think if we can control them through a conditional use process whether it's to uh, from a height standpoint to three-story typically um, uh, staff felt comfortable that we were okay with allowing a little larger uh, standard on these indoor storage facilities similar to what you're seeing kind of all over the place Gentlemen. My only concern, and, and that thank you, uh, um, I did talk talk with you about this, and I appreciate you in, including it on case by case basis because I think I told you about a circumstance where you drive into downtown Bradenton, and right in the middle of their, you know, business district is this giant life storage facility. It just looks so out of place there, and it's not contextually sensitive at all. It has cut face you know concrete block and then on each side are these you know ornate historic buildings with yeah, you know with right. brick with brick and all that kind of stuff and it's just I, i'd prefer if they aren't front and center if we could avoid that in all cases so thank you may we have a motion comments or? anything i don't think we had any more comments okay this is just the planning report so we just need to direct the city attorney if you're in favor of these text amendments to the section of the code to city attorney draw up the ordinance 
move approval of this item. Second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Motion carries. Thank you. And Audrey is going to present two small land use action items. Good evening. So the first um, land use item we have tonight is just a um, rezoning. It's basically a cleanup of the official zoning map. Um, the property you see um, in front of you is located off of Cossack Road. Um, it is on the north side of Cossack Road, east of the intersection with US 301. So there's some history with this property. It was originally included as part of the overall Zephyr Lakes um, PUD master plan. Um, after that original plan came out, um, they sold this piece of property to Zephyr Commons um, LLC. Um, and the zoning on that was never cleaned up. So it is still zoned PUD. It has been taken out of the overall master plan for Zephyr Lakes. It is not included within that. Um, and the applicants are requesting to rezone it from the PUD to C2, which is community commercial. Um, that is consistent with the parcel directly to the west of the subject parcel, as well as the properties directly to the south. Um, the C2 is also consistent with the future land use category of MU, which is mixed use. Um, and this is, again, tonight, this is not, um, the ordinances won't be presented um, until the June public hearings. Um, this is just a simple planning report to give you a heads up of what is coming down the line. No houses. Yes. Yes to gar Yes to gas station. No to houses. Correct. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Anything else? So uh, do we need to make a motion? To approve approval of this item. Have a motion and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, Ms. Audrey. Yeah, thank you. Next item is uh, 5.3, how trucking annexation. Yes, yeah, so this, um, again, is just a planning report tonight. Um, this property is located off of Chansey Road, directly north of the existing Heil trucking um, facility. They are looking to expand. Um, the property is currently located in unincorporated Pasco County. Um, Heil trucking, um, the parcel directly to the south, is located within the city's boundaries. So it is contiguous to our boundaries. Um, the county's future land use and um, zoning regulations currently, as it stands today, are for industrial purposes. We would be looking at assigning a zoning um, of um, LI, which is light industrial, and an industrial future land use category consistent with the county. The county did say they did not have any comments. Um, this is consistent with our LDC and our comprehensive plan. It is consistent with Chapter 171 Florida statutes, uh, which provides that criteria for annexation. Um, and it is not expected to impact the water and sewer um, system um, in any negative way. Is it just an extension of the existing business to the south? That's good news. Gentlemen, any comments, questions? Does Heil own, Audrey, do they own the property all the way up to Chansey? I'm sorry? Oh, do no. they? It's, that's the uh, Linville property to, yeah, the, okay. to the east. I, okay. I didn't think so. I was... My apologies. I, I didn't hear you. This, is, this property is to the, I'm trying to, trying to orient myself here. Where, where is, uh, so where's, there... where's the, Oh, I see. There it is. Okay. Yeah, Chansey is to um, to the right, um, okay. to your right, and then Kitty Hawk Drive, which is just a dirt road that runs along the airport, um, is on the left or western boundary of the okay. property. Well, tell me one more time. I did. Tell me one more time. Who owns that property? Linville's. The Linville family. 
Okay. But they, the, who owns the, and it, who owns a piece between the existing paved trucking and and Chansey? Um, I believe that's Hile. That's Hile. That's Hile yeah, as well. So they've got that parcel, and they're just adding another five-acre parcel. Correct. And then the property to to the west is airport property, and that is ours. Okay. Move for approval. Second. Motion and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Motion carries. Thank you. Thank you. up is citizen comments. Ms. Hillman, do we have anyone signed up yes, to speak? Yes, we have two citizens signed up. The first person is Faye Geiger. Geiger, please state your name and address for the record. Okay. My name is Faye Geiger. I live at 36645 Paddock Lane, Zephyr Hills. Um, I was invited tonight by Councilman Smith to come and address my concerns for what has been happening in our city. Um, he told me that he does not remember speaking with me prior to tonight, but I have been at numerous meetings over the last few years. Um, actually, I've stopped coming because I felt for a while that I was being ignored or dismissed. Um, my husband, my family, myself, and all of our neighbors came to every meeting dealing with the paving of Simons Road and the construction that was going along with it. Uh, we tried to ex explain at those meetings the impact that the rapid development that our community was gonna undergo and how that would impact our schools, our roads, and our community, um, as well as our livestock and our wildlife. We were told at those meetings that we had to bring developments in to pay for the infrastructure upgrades that our town so desperately needed. In the end, we got a road paved that now everyone treats as a racetrack, including members of the Pasco County Sheriff's Office and ZPD. I begged to have a stop sign put in at that sharp turn that is the entrance to my driveway, and instead we got a roundabout that teenagers used as a drifting track every weekend. Every day I wonder if while I'm driving through that roundabout to get to my driveway, if it is the day I'm gonna get hit by another car because nobody yields going through that roundabout. And my kids have to get off the bus at that roundabout. I just pray the day that when I am actually hit going through there, my children are not in my car with me because that is how dangerous that roundabout has become. And tonight I hear you're considering another roundabout in our community. Um, the rapid development has put our schools on tighter, more stretched out budgets. Our classrooms are overcrowded and our buses are packed and there aren't enough resources to go around. And because of this, the school board is ending the two-mile courtesy stops for our school and our students. Our children are now going to be walking to school and then home in the dark without streetlights, sidewalks, or crosswalks. So it leaves many of us wondering where the money that, went, that we brought in from these developments is going in our city because the infrastructure improvements are not there. We need our city parks cleaned up so our children have a safe place to play. Currently, our parks are showing their age. Drug use is rampant, and the shelter, shelters are in disrepair and being used by our homeless. The family-friendly atmosphere our town used to have has disappeared. Our longtime residents can no longer afford to live here, and it is not safe for our children to be here anymore. Mr. Burgess, you said so yourself. We have now become an urban area, and this, we can no longer deal with this rapid inflation, or this rapid growth. We need you to become more proactive 
look at 5, 10, 15 years ahead in your decisions. Change your code enforcement. Change your zoning. Change your ordinances to get ahead of these problems before they become a problem. Your community needs you to become more proactive. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Geiger. Thank you. So the next person signed up to speak is James LaFerrier. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. He's going to do a PowerPoint presentation. Good evening, Council. I am James LaFerrier, 38928 Cambridge Drive, Zephyr Hills, Florida. And I am here talking about my Eagle Scout project for Troop 72. James, would it be too much? I hate to ask you. You think you could take your mask off? You're getting you're just muffled to me. Thank you very much. No problem. It was out of a abundance of caution oh, due yeah. to me being under the weather this weekend. Yes. So my Eagle project is going to be a flag retirement drop-off box. It's going to be located at the Eagles Lodge right down the road, right next to the Eagle statue. And so what I'm currently wanting to do is just get that information out there because it isn't very prevalent in our community, as well as I'm in JRTC, as many of you have seen me here before and have talked about our service learning project of Project Patriotism, which is a flag retirement ceremony. So I use the patriotism from JRTC that I was instilled with and incorporated it with my Eagle Scout project. The general outline is it's going to be a metal fabricated drop-off box with a the lid being on the top opening and with a trapdoor mechanism stopping any trash or any debris from getting in. So on the sides, and I have pictures in, later in the presentation, is going to be the six military branches with their names and mottos and then the, their seals as well. So what's on the uh, flags for each branch. The maintenance will be done by the Eagles Lodge and the my scoutmaster and subsequent scoutmasters will work and coordinate with the Eagles Lodge and it will be properly maintained. So for the materials itself, it's looking about $313. That's pricing for the metal sheet that we're using to cut out the box itself as well as any hinges and other hardware that we need. For supplies, I have mostly food and refreshments, and that's looking about $200 just because we are having around five to six people working on the project for three days, just about. Then under the other uh, section, I have the vinyl wrap that is the decoration method for the box itself. We're going to go to Signs by Tina, and the their quote was three hundred and fifty dollars. 
So I was wondering if there are any scholarships or grants that could help fund this project. And then, as I was saying, these are the reference photos of boxes that have already been done. Both of these have the drawer on the outside panel. And then this, I know it's kind of hard to see, but this is the model I created on just Microsoft Word and a picture of what exactly would be on the design itself. Total project dollar bottom line is what? It's about, it's looking at $600. May I ask what's going to be going in these boxes? It's going to be old tattered flags that are okay. from the community because I know City Hall as well as the That's fire department get a large quantity of flags. This just creates a location for the community to go and drop off the flows. Um, is there any way, uh, Billy, we could help this young man out? I think as a Council would have to would authorize the uh, expenditure, but I think we can. There's so money in the budget to for a contribution to an, an Eagle Scout project. Well, I see um, a generous uh, uh, person from our community. He's asking for six hundred dollars, Mr. Earl. I'll kick in two. Thank you, Mr. Earl. Thank you, Mr. Earl. We appreciate it, Mr. Earl, but uh, you do so much for us. Uh, why don't we see what we can do as a city council? I would feel very good about that. Do you all feel the same way? I think this is a great project, and you did a good presentation of it. As far as I'm concerned, why don't we as a council all donate a certain amount just out of our own pockets I think and give them the balance? Yeah, I mean, I I feel, I um, feel a little yeah. Sorry. I mean, I'm feeling a little. I, I feel a little uncomfortable asking the city to pay when when this is for an individual because you know we we do that sometimes, but it it creates a precedent and we're spending tax dollars on on a project that might not be considered um, for the benefit of all citizens. So may I suggest, uh, sure. Mr. Earl is going to donate two hundred. Why don't we all donate a hundred apiece, and that'll give him a little extra. I think I'm, I'm prepared to do that. Is that okay with you? Thank you, Mr. Earl. So we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna take you up on your offer, Mr. Earl. The rest of us will do the rest. Thank you, Mr. Earl. Madam President Shoemaker will do a hundred, so Mr. Earl only has to do hundred. What's that? Shoemaker will do 100, so Mr. Earl only has to do 100, and it will be equal amongst everybody. Okay. That sounds like a good deal. All right. <laughs> All right. It looks like you got your wish, sir. And, and if you'll talk to Mr. Uh, Mr. Poe over there, he's our city manager, and he'll help coordinate it. Yeah, we'll get the money to him, and he'll get it to you. Thank, Thank you. you. So I have one more person signed up to speak. I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Mike Doerr. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Mr. Mike, come on up and... Uh, uh, Mike Doerr, 5125 2nd Street. Okay? We got to quit worrying about 
quantity and quality that comes into this town. Because you see Valleydale out there, they had to put a fence around their place when they put in a four-story complex and all that stuff around there. You know, so and these guys coming up here with the fancy suits and trying to press you guys into it, grow up here and say, hey, look, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna answer to you. You don't want to cave to them, you know, because you know all that stuff they promise you. You play heck right, getting it, you know. And it's like, you know, ask, hey, you know, instead of what Zephyr Hills is going to do for you, what are you going to do for Zephyr Hills? You know what I'm saying? I mean, just think about it. Come on, night train. You get up or you got to back them up, you know. You got to grow set. And go ahead and tell them, you know. Because, I mean, this, this is getting way out of hand. Oh, you can't even Mr. go through Mike, town. I might, have a little I might have a little trouble with that. But that's well, <laughs> call Caitlin Jenner. She can help you out. How about that? Y'all be careful. Thank you, Mike. All righty, then. <laughs> Uh, next item on the agenda is, um, let's see, we have more comments, right? Okay, there we go. Uh, the mayor's comments, mayor's announcements. I have nothing after following Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing for me tonight, thank you. Okay, city manager. I have nothing this evening. Okay. Uh, next up, city attorney announcements. Mr. Maggard, anything for us? No, ma'am. Just thank you for allowing me to appear uh, virtually tonight. Thank you. Okay. Hope you're feeling better. All right. Next, uh, Mr. Knight, we'll start with you. I yield to Mike Door. I'm through. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Proctor? Well, first of all, I don't think any of us are against <laughs> growth up here. I just think we need to take a look and reel it in a little bit to... Um, be a little more responsible. I would definitely like to look at the lot sizes again. I think we need to re-look at that very seriously. Um, one thing I appreciate about this group of people, you know, we make tough decisions, but we don't fight about it. We don't argue about it. We just do what we feel is right. And that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mr. Mr. Yes, go ahead. No, no, sorry. No, you go ahead. Um, I want to thank Faye Geiger for coming out. I appreciate you sitting through the long meeting. We appreciate your comments, too. Um, it, you know, I, I was sitting over here thinking about there's a lot of projects that we've done through, through the past four or five years, maybe even longer. I think about Simons Road, which was not the county had it for however long, like I said, and they never paved it. We took it in and we paved it, okay? Um, where the, the intersection of uh, 54 and, and 301, we have money in that. We have money in the four-laning of 56 from Morris Bridge to 301. They were only going to make it two lanes. Um, we did Green Slope, which is a reverse frontage road. We did Dairy Road, which is a reverse frontage road. So we did 23rd Street extension, or 20th Street out to the, the bypass. So, you know... Yes, the traffic's bad, and but we're trying. The plans we have, too, we're working with the DOT for a uh, four-laning of 301, which is going to be two one-way pairs through town. We've got, ex we've got uh, improvements down at uh, 301 from 39 to 56. On 39, we have it. We're pushing for Hillsborough County for a four-laning on 301 to their, to their uh, county line. Um, I'm trying to think. I know I forgot. There's a there's a, another. There's three lanes. 
two more lanes coming on 301 from 54 and Island up to the shopping, up to Cossack. Um, I know I've forgotten a few others, but. There's the bypass of, at uh, 56 that goes around and connects Chansey Road? Right, right. So, I mean, of course, of course there's traffic. Of course there's problems. We had, I had a decision before me tonight. We can, there's going to be development on that piece. And we can either do the traffic improvements and let the developer pay for it, or we can say, no, we don't want to do it, and just let, it, uh, let the development occur and not do the traffic improvements. There's nothing we can do about that. That was former zoning. I agree we need to take a look at our zoning. We also need to, to get with Pasco County, because we can do whatever we want to in the city, but you know what's happening around us? Way, way more than we're doing in the city. So, you know... We, we make decisions. I, I, I've probably made a hundred mistakes on this council, and I'll be the first to say it. You take the information, you decipher it, you make the decision. That's all we can do. Uh, we're not infallible. And listen, I, I totally respect the opinions of my other councilmen when they don't agree with me. That's part of the process. You know, that's just the way the process works. That's not infallible. We're all concerned about the, I'm very concerned about the intersection of Simon, Simons and Island. Very concerned, you know. We've got to try and stay ahead of, I think we're trying, but I think, I think we can, I think we just keep grinding and keep trying to do as much as we can. Because that, you know, when you come down to it, that's all we can do. The, unfortunately, we live in a state that has the best, probably some of the best business climate in the nation, the best, some of the best weather in the nation, and we have a crop of baby boomers that is just now starting that are all wanting to retire to Florida. So, you know, until they shut the gates up there at the state line, we're going to have to deal with it. And we're going to have to deal with it outside, externally, from Zephyr Hills because the people that live in Pasco County are coming into Zephyr Hills to shop. So what I'm saying is, uh, you know, please voice your concern. We want to hear it. I, we want to hear if there's an issue at a certain intersection because sometimes we don't know. But... Uh, we, we, like I said, we take the information and we make the best decision we can. And that's all, you know, that's all that I know how to do. And I'm sorry if I've let somebody down because I know, I know I've made mistakes, but we just try and move on and correct them. So. Thank you. Mr. Burgess. <clears throat> well, first, I, I want to just say to the voice from the heavens that we've, it's, it sounded kind of biblical there, but um, I hope you're feeling better there, uh, Matt. Um, also, thank you to the people that, uh, hung out stuck this out uh, I wish more people could hear the debate and stuff that goes on and as Councilman Proctor said we're trying to do what's right as Councilman Smith says sometimes we make mistakes but we're all up here trying to come to the best solution and I will show and again I always ask for please give me your, your opinions and I wish there's more people that could see the process and uh, and understand what's going on and and you know so we come to a, a tough decision today. We, we move on from there, and we'll just address things as they come. But, um, and I've been waiting for, let's see, I've been on, I think, 11 years now, and I've been waiting 11 years for uh, Mike to come up and give us a little presentation there. Well, I'm glad you've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Thank you. Um, and, and, you know, to reiterate that, I, I think that 
you know, we do our best up here and it's easy. You know, I, I read, sometimes I read these comments on Facebook, how this is the good old boys network and I need to remind them I'm not a boy and I'm beholden <laughs> to no one other than those people who elected me. And Amen. I really do take that seriously. I do try to do the right thing. I do believe that, I do believe in an individual's right to develop their property to its highest and best use. I do believe in smart development. I think we can have an impact. I think we can make a difference in improving the quality of life for the people who live in our community. And um, I, I do think that when we make a mistake or when we make a decision that we don't fully understand the impact. So we're given information, we make decisions, we're in as, as informed as we possibly can be. We get in the situation where we have the, the, uh, the density uh, factor, the lot size factor. When we made those decisions, those are the right decisions for the moment. But it's okay for us to come back and say, you know what, this isn't working. It's our responsibility to make a change, to listen to staff, to, to, to report what we're hearing from those people who live in our community. So um, thank you all for this discourse and for your opinion. One quick comment. Uh, sure. Seriously. Let's don't forget next Monday. More of that. My family died protecting our country. Let's don't forget Memorial Day and how great it is. Hey, uh, we have a lot of of servicemen. We have a lot of servicemen that are in our community still active, and, and many, many that are not active. I work with people every day and see people every day. Let's don't just brush off Memorial Day. It's a great day. Thank you, servicemen, for all you did. Thank you. On that note, meeting adjourned. Thank you all. Thank you for the city council.